Hello and welcome to The Pulse. In part two of this week's show, Hong Kong's shrinking English language traditional news media, we also look at China's nationwide crackdown on human rights lawyers and activists. But first, sit down, put your feet up, have a glass of water, or maybe not. Most of us take it for granted, but the discovery of excessive lead in water supplies at some public housing estates has sparked an outcry and put the government in full damage control mode. The excessive lead levels in local drinking water supplies were first brought to public attention by Helena Wong after the Democratic Party conducted tests in Kowloon City's Kaiching estate between April and June. Four samples contained excessive lead. One had 38 micrograms per litre of lead, 3.8 times higher than the recommended World Health Organization limit. Initially, the government said the Housing Department and Water Supplies Department's own tests showed lead levels within the WHO limit. But last Friday, the Director of Housing admitted that four samples had exceeded that limit. The government has held a series of joint department press conferences to answer public concerns. At first, the government was determined to point the finger of blame at one plumber and play down the responsibilities of the main contractors, of whom China State Construction International Holdings is the most prominent. Mr. Lamb also revealed Ho Boy Gay had used almost the same materials on various other projects in recent years, including St. Paul's Hospital in Causeway Bay, more than 10 public housing estates, and some private housing blocks. The Democratic Party says its own tests are still revealing higher level than those of the government tests. One of its samples at Kwailun Estate found 62 micrograms of lead per litre. The water sample I collected at Kwailun uh, Housing Estate was the overnight water sample. 
whether they overlight water from the pipe. Stay safe over eight hours, whether it is safe for people to drink or to use it for cooking. For the uh, government water sample, I don't know how long they wait until they turn on the tape. Uh, I guess it's uh, perhaps uh, four to five minutes. For its part, the Water Supplies Department insists that the Democratic Party's sampling methods may be misleading. For the government, I don't know what is their intention. Say so if you want to know whether what the, the, the pipe water is uh, safe to drink and uh, why, why you need to wait for a few minutes to collect the water, because this is not the general public, a general practice of the, of, of the residents living here. The general practice is that you just turn on the tape and get the water to cook and drink. On Thursday, the government said that some of the soldering material used in the pipes contained as much as 50% lead, while it should have been at least 99% tin. Meanwhile, the government is being urged to test other possible sources of contamination of pipes in prefabricated units made in the mainland. Hong Ma 你其中七個水板有事嗎? 信利,當你有監管,水務處也會有某程度可以監管到的。In recent years, the government has introduced the use of prefabricated kitchens and toilets with water pipes into home construction projects. These units are manufactured in the mainland. China's Day Construction was the main contractor responsible for building the Kaicheng Estates. It was also in charge of building 15 other public housing estates and many other private projects. These include the newly built Children's Hospital in Kaitak and the water treatment plant in Taipo. The prefabricated water pipe fittings are produced by a Sengen subsidiary factory. And in the mainland, there is no licensing system to govern plumbing works.
Low-quality pipe fittings manufactured in the mainland are sold for as little as one yuan each in Shenzhen. China State Construction has been the main contractor for housing estates in Hong Kong since 2002. However, the Kuailun estate, which also has slashed problems, was built by Sokam Development Limited, a subsidiary of the Hong Kong-based Suion Group. This week, the government said it will be testing water samples in all new public housing estates and has established a committee to review the construction process for public housing projects. I think the problem is, com is, 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 is mainly because of lack of accreditation and that in, it, it provides an opportunity for the manufacturer or supplier okay, to, include, to, uh, okay, to include some toxic material inside the um, uh, uh, water pipe or the soda material. A newly set up task force of independent experts has begun to investigate the scare and to review the regulatory system for the construction industry with regard to construction materials, quality verification and work procedures. Welcome back. If you're going to call yourself Asia's world city, you would apparently wish to be seen as a multilingual and multicultural society, and that includes some lip service at least to the world's lingua franca, English. But if you are a non-Chinese speaker living in Hong Kong, it's been getting harder to keep up in a timely fashion with what's been going on, as the traditional English language news media has been shrinking. Last year's Umbrella Movement protests highlighted some of Hong Kong's deepest political divisions. It also brought the SAR, for the first time in almost two decades, back into the focus of international media. It was a concentration of media attention not seen in Hong Kong since the city's handover in 1997. Unfortunately, the temporary nature of many of those assignments meant that overseas-based journalists were sometimes scrambling to catch up. It's actually quite difficult for them to grasp the nuance of the Hong Kong story because I think it's um, far more complex than they realize and um, they may not have the historical context just because they haven't lived through this society during those times. Hong Kong's own non-Cantonese speakers trying to follow local events sometimes feel even less well served by the mainstream media. There's increasing cynicism in the community about the editorial stances of Hong Kong's non-subscription TV channels and daily newspapers. In English media, the situation is more crucial because there's just less of it. There were a lot more broadcast media in Hong Kong prior to the handover because the handover story was coming. And you had the BBC here and NHK and overseas operations, uh, plus the local organizations were up and going. Um, you had Metro News, which was operating then. 
you had uh, commercial radio, which actually had an English service and, and, and did some work in those days. Um, now it doesn't really anymore. Uh, so it was a much livelier broadcast scene at that time. 英文傳媒如果講緊報紙嘅時候,第一份係付費,一份係免費嘅。如果係講緊電視台同埋電台嘅時候,咁電台得一個,電視台當然呢就我哋都知道有兩個,但係佢哋即係提供嗰個嘅
from the government saying that we're not going to get access to the government information system, which is standard you know, uh, for, for any news media. It's also a struggle to get access to the, the CGO, central government offices, so that when there is a press conference, when CY or Carrie Lam or whatnot are speaking. Now, with the addition of online media, government is very much challenged as to who is a qualified reporter um, or are they just admitting uh, just any ordinary citizen and giving them the privilege of the press. Um, this policy really needs to be, to be reviewed because if you don't get access to government information, you're missing a lot. And then there's the language issue. I don't say it in English, but I hope I answered the question. You understood, right? My audience doesn't understand. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. I already explained it in Cantonese. Yeah, we would Sorry like it in that. English, please. Sorry? We would like it in English, please. I already provide the answer. Thank you. Yinantasol Journalism is about having, you know, having an informed electorate. So how can how can we, if if the government itself is not speaking one of its own designated um, official languages? Since the handover, many media organizations have seen that there's more money to be made if they turn their sites to the mainland. The local non-Chinese speaking audience is just not as large. So apart from the political pressure, there are simple economic imperatives. But for Hong Kong as a society, there are other considerations. If Hong Kong wants to portray itself as an international city, it has to be inviting to people who come from overseas. People have to feel like they can make a home here. People have to feel like this is a place where they can live, where they're part of some sort of community. And the news media are important to keep them not only posted with what's happening in the rest of the world, which is important in and of itself, and particularly if you're a business person, you need to know what's going on, uh, but also to create a sense of community and a sense of belongingness. Over the past week, human rights lawyers and activists in 24 cities and provinces in China have been detained, gone missing, or been taken into custody by the police. State media have called the mass arrests an effort to smash a major criminal gang. But is this more like a flexing of government muscles in the wake of the new national security law? Last Friday, mainland Chinese officials began a nationwide crackdown on human rights lawyers and even their family members. According to the China Human Rights Lawyers Concern Group, more than 200 lawyers, including Wang Yu, were arrested. Many were detained and later released. The group says at least 50 are still missing. According to the government, the Ministry of Public Security arrested lawyers from the Beijing Fun Roy law firm, who it claims are involved in many cases involving threats to social order and other criminal acts. Amnesty International believes the crackdown is related to the national security law that came into force on July 1st this year, and a new criminal law amendment opposed by more than 100 human rights lawyers. The new draft a criminal law amendment number nine. There's one article, article 309, 
that specifically relates to courts. And it says that if you're defaming or insulting a judge, you can be liable to criminal uh, sentencing. Hundreds of lawyers last year signed a petition against this type of language because they felt that, you know, you can maybe have fines or punishment uh, in low-level regulations against this type of thing, but putting it into the criminal law makes it a much more serious offense. William Nee added that the repression of the human rights lawyers has an enormous impact on civil society and on those advocating rights that are inconvenient for the government. What we've seen under Xi Jinping is to, uh, a large-scale crackdown last year in the run-up to the 25th anniversary of the Tiananmen Square crackdown. And now we're seeing another large-scale crackdown on human rights lawyers. And these lawyers took on sensitive cases, some of the cases that are, involve freedom of expression, free speech, freedom of religion, uh, ethnic minorities, uh, torture, other things. So. If there are no lawyers to take on these sensitive cases, then I think for sure we could say that the human rights situation will deteriorate further. Well, that's it for this week and indeed for this season of The Pulse. The summer doldrums are upon us. We'll be back with a new season on the 9th of October. Meanwhile, if the longing and withdrawal symptoms get too much, you can watch previous episodes on our RTHK website or chat to us on our Facebook page, RTHK's The Pulse. See you in October. Goodbye. Listen to him, Dan. He's a devil, not a man. He spreads the burning...